Throughout this episode, you'll hear occasional dynamically placed advertisements as well as host-read ads by me promoting the work of my sponsors, similar to what you'd experience when you're binging your favorite YouTube content. If you find the ads disruptive, consider joining my community on Patreon. Premium submarines receive full-length ad-free episodes, hundreds of hours of bonus content, and the ability to connect and chat with other listeners. To learn more, visit patreon.com slash backfromtheborderline. Tarot is the same language as music, and it's the same language as art. It touches on something deeper. It expresses something that goes beyond the mundane. It makes us reflect on life and its meaning. When I was a kid, we were very poor. We were very strictly religious. Homosexuality is evil and they're going in the lake of fire. As a kid, I knew I was gay and I was terrified. But I remember opening to this page as a little kid and there was Athena. Wouldn't it be nice if goddesses were real and uh, spirituality wasn't just like this mean god at my uncle's church? I just was so beat down with the religious experience I was going through. I had to either lie to myself and get married to a woman or be a celibate monk for the rest of my life, or I could just accept myself. The Greeks had a great concept that was called maiden agon, which means nothing in excess. We need to take everything in its moderate place, and that's everything. Keep going. Be brave. Look at where you've been. Look how far you've come. Spread your wings and leave hell whenever you want to. To new listeners, welcome. To returning listeners, welcome back. Today, you're in for a healing, spiritual experience with someone who has had a profound impact on my own healing journey. Dr. Elliot Adam is a tarot card reader and prize-winning author whose writing found me at a very low point in my life and helped me find my way out of it. Now, you don't need to have an understanding of the tarot to gain value from this conversation. Elliot's wisdom is something that I feel like every single person who has endured trauma and adversity will resonate with. Now, if you want to get the ultimate experience of this episode, I would highly recommend you go back and listen to the episode titled, How I Finally Stopped Reenacting My Childhood and Adulthood Through the Hero's Journey and How You Can Too. I'll link to that in the show notes. But even if you don't go back and listen to that first, you're going to get so much from my conversation with Elliot. All right, now get ready for a serious musical tone shift away from this beautiful ambient piano as we roll that podcast intro. And then we are going to dive straight into my conversation with the incredible Dr. Elliot Adam. All this focus, focus is supposed to be scientific, You have entered back from the borderline, where we walk willingly into the darkness within our minds and return home to ourselves transformed. I'm your host, Molly. I spent most of my life numbing the pain and emptiness inside me, unaware that my self-sabotaging behaviors and thoughts were destroying my ability to connect with myself and other people. 
One day, I decided I was sick enough of my own bullshit to hear life calling, telling me it was time for a change, and I decided to answer that call. On this podcast, we'll learn that when we see ourselves as the hero of our own journey, it gives us the best chance at finding our inner truth and integrity. Together, we'll learn to hold complex feelings, expand our consciousness and self-awareness while making meaning of our suffering. Are you ready to find out who you are underneath the weight of everything that's been keeping you stuck? If the answer is yes, follow me down the rabbit hole of psychological and spiritual growth. I'm so glad you're here. And with that, let's dive straight in to the episode. sitting here with Elliot Adam. And Elliot, why don't you just take the floor and introduce yourself to the listeners and tell them a little bit about your qualifications? Oh, sure. Well, hello. I am Dr. Elliot Adam. I am the author of Fearless Tarot. And I'm also the person who runs the website, ElliotOracle.com. My book, Fearless Tarot, uh, takes tarot and it takes the fear out of it because a lot of us uh, who are fo- uh, first exposed to tarot, we're either exposed to it as something threatening or frightening, uh, or it's, uh, you know, presented as a scam, or, uh, you know, something nefarious or terrible. And I found that, you know, tarot meetings that stoke people's fears aren't really helpful. It doesn't really help them get anything out of the session. And so um, I actually started a blog on my website, ElliotOracle.com, where every morning I would pick a tarot card, and I would just write about it and, and my experience with the card. And I really wanted to go deeper into the symbolism, the pictures, because tarot is a language of pictures. And our unconscious mind, it speaks in this language. It's not literal. Sometimes we get stuck in our heads and we think everything's literal. And we think that the only reality is what our brain thinks of. But what tarot shows is that there's these archetypal forces that are kind of going on unconsciously in our mind that speaks in that language of symbolism. And when we can put that amorphous feeling that's bothering us in the day into the context of a symbol on the table in front of you, it gives you a little distance from that issue that you're struggling with. It makes it, it makes you look at it objectively. And it also creates kind of a connection with that deeper part of yourself, which can sometimes be obscured uh, when you're, uh, you know, focused on a problem or, or struggling with something. So um, I know that's a long winded <laughs> introduction, but that's, wow. that's who I am. And, and that's, uh, that's uh, my approach to tarot. I love that. And, you know, I myself was a tarot skeptic. I thought it was just, you know, thoughts of like, not that she did tarot, but Miss Cleo come up, you know, like mm-hmm. the whole. Oh, yes charlatan aspect of someone who's just wanting to gr- to get money. And mm-hmm. it was when the listeners who are long-term listeners of the podcast know that I came across your work when I was just feeling so disconnected from myself. And I just had this feeling that I needed to find what spirituality meant to me and mm-hmm. organized religion. I was raised Catholic and then um, also then went into like a really evangelical kind of Christian upbringing Mm -hmm. after that. And Mm -hmm. it never really resonated with me because it was so exclusionary on so many different levels. And I realized one day how I came across your work is 
I don't, I was just in a really dark place. I had just been kind of diagnosed with a bipolar two, which was a misdiagnosis at the time, but I was reading this article and it said, you know, tune into your higher self. Part of you Mm. is saying this and part of you is saying this. And I was laying in my bed and I yelled at my boyfriend and I said, Zaz, what's the higher self? Like Mm. there's different parts of us and Mm -hmm. what? And he said, uh, yeah, you don't know that. (laughs) And it made me just that moment there. I went, wait, so this inner critic, this voice in my mind, that's always telling me that I'm trash Mm -hmm. and that I, and that I'm not lovable. That's Mm -hmm. not me. And there's a higher self. And Mm -hmm. I just, it, it, that then intuitively I was in like a mystic mystic store in North Hollywood, California. And I picked up my first deck of tarot cards and I started drawing a card a day. And Mm -hmm. when I first Googled, I picked my first card first card I ever picked was temperance. And, Mm -hmm. um, I Googled meaning card meeting temperance. And the first thing that popped up, I mean, your SEO is good. Um, because (laughs) the first thing that popped up was Elliot Oracle temperance. And so I just clicked on it and I, that's when I just fell in love with the way that you wrote, because Mm -hmm. that is when I started realizing the way that you write is using tarot almost as like meditation actually quite frightened me, Elliot, at first, because I was so frightened by the thought, like being alone with my thoughts. And so it's Mm -hmm. almost like you allowed me to find a safe way to meditate because I would Mm -hmm. pick my card, I would read your words, and then I would meditate on what that meant. And the way that you speak about tarot is almost, it made me feel like a part of something. Like I'm part of this collective unconscious that's going through this same experience and, and thousands of people have been through this before me. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about how tarot can help us psychologically? Mm-hmm. Well, um, wow. Number one, thank you for all of that. And yeah. I just love the thought that you, um, your first tarot card you pick is temperance. Because that's all about healing and it shows an angel. And, you know, angels in the tarot are symbols of your higher self. Mm -hmm. And here you are seeking, where's, what's my higher self? Where is it? And then in your first image that you're picking, there's an angel on the card. And Mm -hmm. uh, the angel of temperance is just this really healing oasis card. Uh, For those of your listeners who aren't sure of of tarot or don't know about it, uh, the major arcana, the first 22 cards of the tarot, they're a journey that the, the hero goes through yes. and temperance appears right in the middle of all the rotten cards. So you got to go through like the hangman and the suffering there and death, which is mm-hmm. uh, transformation and permanence. And then you have this oasis of the temperance card where you get to work on your healing before you face the devil, your inner saboteur, that inner critic, that nasty voice that just makes you feel limited and makes you feel stuck in hell. And the tower is the next card, which is the breakdown, but also the breakthrough. That lightning bolt on the tower is a symbol for an epiphany that gets you out of your head and ejects you from your rationalizations and throws you back to earth so that you get real with things. So how can uh, tarot help people psychologically? Um, I would say it's not a substitute for uh, a licensed professional. Uh, if you are struggling with depression 
or uh, another, uh, you know, mental illness or, or something that's challenging, you should absolutely seek uh, qualified professionals. And yes. tarot can be somewhat helpful, but it isn't the whole package. Yes. But how tarot can help people psychologically is taking the pressure off. I mean, you were mentioning a fear of meditation because you're afraid of being alone with your thoughts. And what the tarot acts like is kind of a buffer. It's a symbolic buffer. It's a way to kind of excise yourself out of the issue and recognize in a symbol or a picture on the table in front of you that's safely distant from you. And it helps you consider this with some distance. It gives you a little perspective. And that's where the magic of it works because yes, you are a part of a humanity that has been dialoguing with these uh, symbols since they've been painting them on the cave walls. I mean, tens of thousands of years ago. Yes. And so this is, um, tarot is a, a more modern uh, invention. It's, it's actually created in, in the Renaissance, you know, uh, for noble families to play games, but they, they put their allegory and their symbolism into it. And naturally it starts speaking to people on that symbolic level. So, um, I think the way it's helpful for people is that it does give you distance from the problem. It does let you consider it. Now, some cards in the tarot are scary looking. Yeah. And that's uh, partly why I wrote my book is I struggled with those cards. I would look at them and say, oh, no, I'm going to die. Something like the terrible ten of swords. is going to happen. The Absolutely. Ten of Swords is literally like a man laying on his back with ten swords just stabbing him. And you get that card and you're like, cool. <laughs> what am I supposed to do with that? You know, <laughs> and, um, you know, but what, what the tarot is, is it's symbolic. It's mm -hmm. not literal and people get into trouble when they take their symbols. Literally, they start to really, uh, catastrophize things. Tarot is a symbolic wake up call. And when we get a card like the 10 of swords, it can indicate we're needing to face a feeling that's just as scary as seeing someone with 10 swords stabbed in his back. Yes. And then we have to think, well, what are the, what are the swords in the tarot? Mm -hmm. Swords are the element of air, which has all to do with your thoughts. So what swords are in the tarot are your thought patterns, your thought forms. And in the case of the 10 of swords, that's a self-sabotaging thought form, a self-defeating one, where we're literally taking our thoughts and stabbing ourselves in the back with them. Which and when we can we're relate to as people absolutely. with BPD, my God, my thoughts absolutely. were the my a detriment to me. <laughs> and once you know, oh, this is a symbol. This doesn't mean I'm gonna die. This doesn't mean someone's gonna stab me in the back. This means I'm stabbing myself in the back. Yes. This means that I'm needing to confront something. Why are the swords in his back? Well, because he's not facing them head on. He's not confronting mm. them. He's turning his back on his thoughts. And what happens when we ignore thoughts? La, la, la. I'm not hearing you. I'm uncomfortable. Oh, everything's perfectly normal. <laughs> they all catch up with you and you have a nervous breakdown. So, yes. I mean, it's, it's inevitable. And what that tennis sword shows is the futility of trying to stay ahead of your own thoughts and just racing ahead of them. It tells you, stop being a victim to them. Turn around and confront them. Yes. You know, you have a better chance of survival if you're facing the onslaught than if you're running from it. And then suddenly you're like, wow, I have courage. Yes. Uh, this is profound. I can change this. And it, it really can be transformative. And so uh, that's how tarot helps me. Yes. It's not just 
you know, some people learn tarot by what are called keywords. So it's like ace of pentacles, new job money, uh, the lovers love, yeah. you know, and then it's like, okay, well, what am I supposed to do that? Tennis or ruin. Um, and it doesn't go deep enough. That's speaking on that, you know, uh, very rational mind level of, of interpreting a card. It's a snap judgment you make. Sometimes you got to sit with that symbol a little bit and yes. think about it and think, what is this picture showing me? And why is that making me uncomfortable? Or why mm. is it making me comforted? Why is it making me happy? What's that talking to? How do I relate to that? How could I see myself in that uh, picture right now? What am I doing there? What am I not seeing? It really has you uh, consider your your life in a different way because tarot asks you to come up with the questions and consider something in a different way. And a different picture will speak differently to you than it will to me. If that's the beauty of it, there's so many diverse ways of interpreting it. You know, I'm not tarot Moses. I'm not going to come off the mountain and say my way is the right way. And there's no other way to interpret this card. You know, there are so many rich interpretations out there. Uh, but yeah, I think that I get more out of a symbol if I'm sitting with it and I'm really going past my snap judgment of it at first. And mm -hmm. I think that's a nice reflection for our own thoughts and feelings instead of just feeling the feeling and judging it and feeling shame for having it. Sometimes it's important to say, why is this feeling coming up? What is unhealed in me? Yes. What do I need to reflect on? What needs to be cried maybe? Because yes. sometimes when we avoid a feeling, um, it's actually strangling us from inside of our mind. When sometimes if we're able to just confront it and just allow ourselves to feel it in a safe space and cry it, yes. um, it loosens its grip. God, it loosens it's, so its grip. True. it's so true. And, you know, I think you touched on a really profound point there for me, reading your descriptions of the cards because they are so open to interpretation, right? You mm -hmm. just get your descriptions are very long and you, you also provide different ways to look at it. And then mm -hmm. I, when I, found that I realized how much I'd been avoiding my thoughts and my feelings. And so I almost had been repressing them so much mm -hmm. that I had lost the ability to even describe them. So then when I yes. read your interpretations, I went so much would come up for me where I went, Oh shit. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. And then I would find myself crying. And I think so many mm -hmm. of us are scared of that, of crying it out, of mm -hmm. feeling angry. And so when big feelings pop up, we push them down. Well, and... yeah. Look at what society <laughs> does to us. You know, yes. it, um, it's telling us we have to be constantly happy yes. that if we're uncomfortable, we need to take a pill. We need to have a drink. We need to binge watch Netflix. We need to avoid it at all costs. We need to get yes. on the computer. We need to get on Instagram and see how many people liked us. And then we can feel bad about how many people didn't like us. Yes. And then you were comparing ourselves as this other person. We're constantly being told how we don't measure up. And even as children, when we're crying, we're told behave. You know, sometimes it's important for us to just say, it's okay to be uncomfortable. That's mm -hmm. part of the human experience. And suffering doesn't mean you're bad uh, or hurting about something doesn't mean you're an awful person. Sometimes you need to hurt. Sometimes yeah. you got to feel it. And that's yeah. all right. And you that's the only way we can unless learn. You feel. Like, yes. oh, that's a beautiful thing to say. That is, I found this. So I wanted to read this because I so 
wanted your thoughts on this. I've marked this passage in 28 or sorry, 78 degrees of wisdom, um, which is another book about tarot. Mm-hmm. And it, I remember reading it and being like, when I interview Elliot, I want to get his thoughts on this. And mm-hmm. so it just paints in my, it's like two paragraphs. And in my eyes, it paints like exactly what, how I feel the tarot is so helpful psychologically. Mm-hmm. So Um, Rachel Pollack says, contrary to what many people believe, the card death does not actually refer to transformation. Rather, it shows us the precise moment at which we give up the old masks and allow the transformation to take place. Perhaps we can understand this better if we consider the tarot's parallel in psychotherapy. By force of will, strength, the card, the person with the help of the therapist guide, the hermit, allows knowledge to emerge of who he or she really is and what habits or fears he or she wishes to shed, the wheel and justice. This knowledge brings calm and a desire to change, the hangman, but then a fear sets in. If I give up my behavior, the person thinks maybe there will be nothing left. I will die. We live under the ego's control for so many years. We come to believe that nothing else exists. The mask is all we know. Often people will stay stuck in therapy for years because they fear release. The nothingness of the fool terrifies them. The fact is they are right. The I created out of these lifelong behaviors will indeed die. That person will cease to exist, but something else will emerge. And Mm. I just love that passage because Mm -hmm. I can relate to that. It is that existential feeling that you feel that so many people that follow my podcast feel where it's like, you find out all of your behaviors are maladaptive coping mechanisms you've been using, right? And mm. this, these masks we've been putting on aren't me. And so I literally felt myself in this feeling where I'm like, if I am not all these things, I'm nothing. Like, what mm. am I, you know? And I think often we're paralyzed with being, feeling like we're nothing. But then I felt a release from that where I went, mm-hmm. oh my God, now now I can finally let my real, my true self emerge. And that's when my healing journey really began. What is your reaction to that passage? Oh, well, you're quoting one of the uh, great tarot masters uh, and scholars, Rachel Pollack, who uh, is beloved in the tarot community for her trailblazing work. I mean, she was writing this, you know, decades ago. And, you know, now tarot is a lot more popular. It's a lot more mainstream. It's, yeah. it's so saturated yeah. with uh, so many people's voices and, and some of it's noise and some of it's fun. And so it's, some of it's just enjoyable, but uh, Rachel Pollack, she's a trailblazer and she mm-hmm. really, uh, she really hits the nail uh, when she talks about the symbolism in that way mm-hmm. uh, and the fear we have of, of death, but you'll notice she's talking about death as a symbol. It isn't a literal death. And it's, it's the fear of the, the uh, ceasing to be she's talking about there uh, mm-hmm. through death, which I think is all of our fear. Death is a little scary. We can't sugarcoat it. You yeah. know, uh, death is um, frightening because none of us have guarantees of what's there and uh, what's going to happen next. And, and so, um, you know, symbolism and religion and mythologies, they help give us some tools to really think about these things in a different way and reflect them to our personal journey. And I, I just think that's beautifully written. It's, mm-hmm. it's, um, it's just so lovely. It, it really is from, from one of the great tarot masters. Um, and, you know, God, when I started reading cards when I was 16, like 25 years ago, 
I mean, nobody did it. It was like, um, I mean, a few people did, but it was ridiculed and it was Miss Cleo and it was, um, and people were constantly suspicious. And, you know, as a young tarot reader, I, I opened my first shop when I was 20 and, you know, I'd go to parties and people would say, well, what do you do? And I said, well, I read tarot cards and they'd say, oh, well, that's scary. That's weird. And so I thought there was something wrong with me doing it. I went to wow. you know music school and got a doctoral degree and got an orchestra job and all this stuff to try to be legitimate for people. And I ended up coming full circle and coming back to tarot anyway because it's my truth, you know. So I just um, I just love it. I love I love um, Rachel Pollock's uh, interpretation of that deeper symbolism, and I respect her so much for trailblazing at a time. Mm-hmm when tarot wasn't as palatable to the mainstream public as it is now. No. And you're so right. Like I've heard, I got your book and then her book, like at the same time. So like when I first, (laughs) and I'm so glad that I picked these two books and her depiction of, I, I read through the entire major arcana and that's why just a couple of episodes on the podcast ago, I did an entire breakdown of the hero's journey and how understanding that concept has like really changed my life because oh, I never, wow. it, I never understood, you know, that I needed to go through these phases and I all, I, I, it's like literally reparenting me. The the major arcana is like is it's I really feel tarot has come in and um Rachel Pollock specifically her description of these the walkthrough of these cards, it is like providing the guidance that I never got as a child. And That's it's almost wonderful. Yeah, it's almost like a kind, soothing parent is speaking to me through these things of being like, it's okay, you know, like mm-hmm. it's okay to to feel this way. And it's mm-hmm. and your suffering is beautiful. Have you ever read a book called Following Your Path I have by not. Alex, Alexander Collins Dickerman? Um, now, it's out of print, but you can usually find a copy of it online. And that is a brilliant book for going through. Uh, it's, like a, it's like a self-help guide through the major arcana where you, uh, you wow. meet the characters, you meet the fool. And they say things like, you know, the fool... Uh, carries a white rose in his hand symbolizing blank and then you write you write what you think first that comes into your mind Mm. and at the end of the chapter it says wow you know the white flower is a symbol for purity and spirit and your answer to that is really giving you insight into your own views of your own purity your own spirit (sighs) it's so profound so if you've been enjoying Rachel Pollock, I think following your path would be my next suggestion for you because it's so profound. And it's a great way to meditate on the cards without like sitting in a vacuum and going home and, you know, waiting to feel <laughs> yes. at peace. You know, yes. it's kind of interactive. It's like a workbook. It's, it's just brilliant. I will absolutely look that up. And, you know, when you're talking about like, I know how much I read a few of your interviews that you've done and how much mythology and symbolism means to you. Oh, I love it. Yes. And the beginning of your book, you say, thank you, Athena, for finding that lost little boy in the library so many years ago and teaching him the language of symbols and myth. And Mm. I just, I remember reading that and it's almost like I could imagine you as like a little boy in the library (laughs) and it just touched my soul so much. Can you Mm. talk about that little boy and like- You bet. Oh my God. Um, well, when I was a kid, we were very poor. We didn't have a lot of money. And um, 
Uh, my mother was a single mother. My uncle was a minister. I would go to the church, but it was a very evangelical fire and brimstone. Um, you know, homosexuality is evil and they're going in the lake of fire. And as a kid, I knew I was gay and I was terrified that mm. I was this evil thing that was going to get thrown into this lake of fire. And as a kid, I would go to the library on the weekends and I'd be so excited because I would always go and get uh, this one picture book uh, that had the Greek myths in it. Mm. And um, in fact, my husband found it for me years later. You know, <gasps> it's out of print now. But I remember opening it up and then seeing these beautiful pictures uh, like Apollo oh, and Aphrodite wow. and Poseidon. And the illustrations are just so beautiful. Um, that must have been the most meaningful gift for you. I loved it. Yeah. I would check this out all the time. But I remember yeah. opening to this page as a little kid and there was Athena with wow. her little owl. And I said, oh, she's a goddess. I thought, wouldn't it be nice if goddesses were real and uh, spirituality wasn't just like this mean God at my uncle's church? Mm. Wouldn't it be lovely? And then I, I loved owls as a kid. I'd always draw them. So there was this goddess with the owl mm. and I wanted to learn all I could about her. And so I would, I would study about Athena at the library and I I'd draw more owls and I draw pictures of her. And, and it wasn't until in my teen years, I just was so beat down with, um, the religious experience I was going through, which literally said I had to either lie to myself and get married to a woman or be a celibate monk for the rest of my life, or I could just accept myself and say, mm -hmm. you know what, that's just not for me. And maybe Christianity brings uh, comfort to others, but I get more comfort from these symbols. And Athena, she's the goddess of wisdom and she wears armor and she's um, feminine, but she wears masculine attribute. She's got a helmet and a spear and she's tough, you know? And I thought she's got kind of that gender crossover a little bit that I, I really appreciate. So I felt at home with her and through my life, I've felt her, you know, I felt her kind of guiding my path. And, um, I just, um, I've, I just developed this really strong connection with this, this being that's from thousands of years ago. And, um, and I just, um, when I go to Greece, I, I get chills because I feel like I'm home. I feel like I'm I'm back where my soul comes from. So that's mm -hmm. how I found Athena. And, um, and, and that's the story about her. That's so beautiful. And you speak mm -hmm. about, you know, I think I read in your interview too, that you've struggled with panic attacks in your life. Oh God, yeah. And <laughs> can you talk about your relationship with, with your mental health and um, how you have because it's like you said to everyone, and by the way, I, I speak so passionately about medication and it's like, I love that you say everyone's on their own journey because that is mm -hmm. absolutely right. Because mm -hmm. Christianity may be the thing that saves someone's life. Right. And yeah. a every, lot of people, yes, and I don't every, judge them for that at all. Nope. If that helps you exactly. and you're a good person and you, you believe that that is wonderful. It's beautiful absolutely. for you. Everyone's on their own journey. And I really mm -hmm. believe that the key is, is like, as long as you are tuning in to that gut instinct and it set and that and your inner self is telling you this is the right decision for you and you've weighed mm -hmm. emotion and logic and come to the place of center and you're doing what's right for you, that is all that matters. It doesn't matter what I say, it doesn't matter what Absolutely. Elliot says. Absolutely. And, but but so many of us are disconnected from that place. And so what was it like for you 
when you were disconnected from your intuition, you think, and like, can you talk a little bit about your own mental health journey and your um, experience of that struggle? Well, um, you know, after I got told the messaging that there was something wrong with me and, uh, you know, what I did was weird and it'd never be acceptable in society. That's not what a successful person is. Who's taken seriously a tarot reader. No, Mm -hmm. uh, that's a a quack who's, uh, you know, whatever, even, even though I'm helping hundreds of people coming to my shop and they're, they're loving the readings and it's really, you know, making a profound impact on them. The judgment of society at the time, and this is back in the early 2000s, uh, was that that wasn't acceptable. So I went on this journey of, I, I always played the oboe. I taught myself the oboe when I was a kid because we couldn't afford lessons and I'd go to the library and get CDs and play the instrument. And um, the oboe is a very difficult instrument. It, it requires a person to be perfect or you're embarrassed because um, it makes such an ugly sound when it's not done well. And, and we have to make our own reeds out of this bamboo. So you get like a twig of bamboo and you split it and then you shape it and then you carve it and you get the tip of the reed to smaller than a human hair and one wrong wow. move of your knife, the whole process is ruined or one little nick out of a part of the reed. And you sound like a duck in the orchestra and, and everyone looks at you like you're weird. So I went into music because they gave me a scholarship. It was the only way I could afford to go to school. Wow. And it was the only thing they were offering me a scholarship for because no one plays the elbow because you have to be insane to do it. It's just, you know, <laughs> and so, um, you know, I was like, well, I'm going to make myself be a wonderful oboe player and I'm going to prove that I can uh, make these reads and sound beautiful and, and whatever. And, and I succeeded at that, but it was a lot of pressure. Mm. Uh, I was spending 25 hours a week just whittling wood uh, to make a read and then another wow. 20 hours of practice. And it's like being an Olympic athlete. You have to stay in shape. You have to be perfect every week. And you're constantly getting criticism from the orchestral director who's saying, be softer, even more. You're not doing this right. I'm upset at that. So you're you're always feeling kind of under the gun. And I just, after years of that, I got my doctoral degree doing this. I I auditioned, I, I won a symphony job. And it was just this constant... Oh no, what if my read doesn't work this concert and I have a big solo and everyone's going to hear me and I'm going to fail in front of everybody. And oh oh my God. And I'll never forget going to Dublin, Ireland and doing a concert at the Royal Irish Academy. And I got up there and that's when everything just collapsed on me because I got in the stage and I had the worst panic attack. My hands were shaking. I could hardly hold the instrument. I was so worked up about it. And I did get through the performance. I did practice enough that I could make it work, but I felt so hollow after it. And like, it just was awful. And luckily I tacked onto that trip to Dublin, a a trip to Greece. Um, Cause once you're in Europe, it's so cheap to fly, you know, Dublin to Athens. Yeah. So I, I, scheduled a a trip to Greece and I went to Delphi. And if your listeners don't know where that is, Delphi was the place where the ancient Oracle used to be. She uh, gave her pronouncements and people came from all over the world and talked to this whole line of priestesses for over a thousand years to ask advice about uh, what do we do with our country to save ourselves from this invasion or where should we settle or will I have kids or, you know, 
so everyone goes to this place. It's and the, the ruins of the temple are up in the mountains. It's it's just so beautiful. It's like Machu Picchu. It's just gorgeous. And um, I remember being in line there, and I felt so defeated after that concert. And the lady selling tickets to get into the temple of Apollo uh, said to me, "Well, where are you from? And who are you? And uh, what do you do?" And I said, "Well." I'm Elliot and I'm from America. And I said, um, I'm actually a tarot card reader. Mm-hmm. I didn't tell her I'm an oboe player. I said, I'm a tarot card reader. And I said, I have my cards with me. Would you like me to read your cards? And she said, well, come on. So she took me up to the temple and we sat on a broken pillar and I started reading her cards. And that woman held my hand and just started crying and said, this is exactly what I needed to hear today. You need to meet my friend. He owns this shop, you know? So then she takes me to meet her friend and uh, he says, who are you? And I said, well, I read tarot cards. Do you want a reading? And I read his cards and he's like, oh my goodness, I'm getting a divorce and you're telling me about the divorce and this is amazing. So then people are coming in his shop and he's like, this guy reads cards, come over here. So I just, I didn't charge for the readings because I was in Delphi. I just loved doing it. So pretty soon I had all these people in Delphi Uh, getting readings and they're all excited. And they said to me, Elliot, you need to meet us tonight at 10 PM in front of the temple of Apollo, because our friend is going to be there. And he plays the ancient Greek oboe, the owls. I said, I play the oboe. I have my oboe. (gasps) They didn't even know. No, I said, I'll bring my oboe. So there was the old man. And there's a picture of him on Instagram. I put it up a while back and, and me. But he was playing this beautiful oboe in the moonlight. And I brought out my modern oboe with all these keys on it. And we were Mm. playing this duet. And then a crowd was gathering. And I got this chill. And then the man didn't speak English. He only uh, spoke Greek. But he held my hand and he said, you've been away for such a long time. But you're home. You're ours. And I said, what the hell am I doing? I've been trying to fit in this box and do this oboe and, you know, be perfect all the time. And I'm a tarot card reader and I am an oboist, but I don't have to be perfect. I can, I can play the oboe to express myself in beauty in nature in, in a sacred setting, but that isn't me. That isn't Mm -hmm. who I am. It's not about the being perfect part. It's about being true to your spirit. So I got home and I started my website and I said, it's time for me to get into my tarot again. And that's how I started writing the blog. And then that became a book. And now I'm doing readings every day, morning, noon, and night again. And that's all I do. And I, I actually stopped playing the elbow and I now play the harp. I bought a harp. I love the harp. It's so much less stress. You know, I don't have to make reads anymore. Uh, But yeah, that's, that's my journey full circle of how you start as a kid with a talent doing the readings. And then you, judge yourself. And then you think you have to be something that society tells you you have to be. And then you come to learn that that's not really authentically me, is it? It's time to come home. What a beautiful story. And I think it's a miracle. I mean, I was going to say, it's like, no one can hear that and not think that that was like your moment. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like to kind of really have the universe telling you like, yes, confirmed, this is what you're meant to be doing. And then look what happened. You wrote this book. And I read that your book just won a gold medal in the divination mm. books category at the yes. 2021 Coalition of Visionary Awards, which is just really, is it all just like, do you sometimes go just like, are you sometimes Pinch just me. taking a, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pinch me. I didn't even know that this could happen. 
I wake up and I look at my book and I'm like, I can't believe I wrote a book. Are you? I never <laughs> thought I'd be an author ever. I never thought I'd write a book. Never. Wow. Um, it didn't even start as a book. It was just blog articles, you know, and um, but it ended up resonating with so many people that said, now I'm not afraid of my tarot deck anymore. Now I'm not afraid when I get the death card. Or maybe I am a little afraid, but now I read the thing and now I start to say, oh, that's how I connect that to something. So I don't have to be, you know, mortified every time I see a difficult symbol. Yes. I mean, that is just, it's just, you're such a good example of someone who pushing past that, like the thought of perfectionism, because I think so many of us too, mm-hmm. that would want to start a book and like, where do I even begin? Mm-hmm. It's like, and you did, you just started writing. You just started writing. And then what all of those blog posts became your book. Mm-hmm. And that was for me, I was terrified to start a podcast. I was like, I don't know how to do this. Like, yes. I, I'm a musician as well. So like I grew up um, com- like competing in choir. Like I was in- Oh, uh, you're a singer. Yes. And so like, but oh. then I was told I had a very raspy voice. So I, I was in like national choral groups and my choir teacher told me like, you're never going to be a, a singer because I had vocal cord nodules. I have a very raspy mm. singing voice. And mm. um, so I was, she always told me like, I always kind of got judged. I have like perfect mm-hmm. pitch. I'm a natural musician, but I didn't have the voice that she wanted. I always uh, related mm-hmm. to Shakira because Shakira always was told by her teacher, like, you sound like a goat, like no one's going to listen to you. Isn't right? Awful? And Isn't then look terrible? at her. Right. Yeah. And so I, but then similar to you where I, I went and pursued music um, professionally. I got a a meeting even at Interscope Records with some really high powered executives, but because of the sexism in the industry, mm. I mm. encountered a lot of men really, really treating me in disgusting ways. And so it really mm. made me lose faith in yeah. music. And it was, it's like you described with the oboe. Like I didn't feel like music was mine anymore. It uh, The yeah. joy was removed from yes. it. Yes. It, yeah. You know, like, it's like, I felt I went to go sing. And when I sing, I close my eyes and all these guys that would like critique me, they were like, sing now, like open your mm-hmm. eyes. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you're taking mm-hmm. my art away, you know? Yeah. And so, especially as a singer, that's like the most personal instrument. Yes. Uh, it's your voice. No one else has it. Yes. And it's, um, it's coming out of, out of you. I mean, it's, uh, yes. yeah, yeah, that is so difficult to, to hear critiques and, and yeah, singers, mm. uh, just like, uh, so many other orchestral musicians, they also are under that pressure to be perfect yes. or to sound like, you know, Renee Fleming or, yes. uh, you know, the greatest, you know, singers of all time. And you're constantly judging yourself. And it's, it's so hard because it does kill the joy of music, you know, it does. but when we can get back to music and just do it because we love it, yes. not because we need to be perfect or sell a record or get into a school. It, it's, um, it, it has such a profound healing power. So powerful. And then my podcast, you know, I realized this is how I can use my voice and oh, no one can that. tell me what to do. You know, yes. like no one can tell me whether or not like I can have a tarot card um, specialist on, or I can have this, that, and the other, like my tribe has found me. And I actually have a, oh, I love that. a group of listeners who are like passionate about their feelings about psychology. And, and now they're like, opening their eyes to tarot. And even mm. if they don't, they, they, it's like tarot isn't for them. I love yeah, the fact that my, for everybody. I, I love that my listeners go, 
I, I want to hear about it, you know, and they can mm-hmm. go, I love this. It's an old AA uh, saying, but it's like, take what resonates and leave the rest, you know? Absolutely. Like, oh, I, I believe love that. if everybody li- lived their life based upon that, because there's, even if you aren't going to get off of this, li- listening to this call and say, wow, I'm going to go buy a deck of tarot cards and do tarot every day. There is something you can learn. There's something you can take away, you know, from your beautiful experience of, mm-hmm. of the cards. And that's my hope for people listening to this episode, quite frankly. It's all the same language. Yeah. Tarot is the same language as music. And it's the same language as art. And it's the same language as sculpture. It, yeah. it touches on something deeper. It expresses something that goes beyond the mundane mm. and it makes us reflect on life and its meaning mm. in a different way. And so um, it's, it's all the same energy. It's just uh, taking different forms of it and expressing it in a different way. Absolutely. And you know, I, I had another question for you because mm-hmm. we already touched on, like you said, you talk about the darker cards and mm in one of your interviews, you were saying that a lot of these darker cards can show us our shadows. Mm -hmm. And I've talked a lot about the shadow self um, on the podcast because I'm a huge Carl Jung fan. And so, Mm -hmm. and as you know, like he's, he absolutely was um, someone who I know I don't, can't sit down with him. Unfortunately, that would be pretty cool. (laughs) Um, But I know that he was a big believer in, or he loved mythology. He was an aficionado of symbolism and myth. Mm -hmm. And what does the shadow self mean to you? And how do you Mm. think we can learn from our shadows? Oh, I love that. Um, Mm. Well, uh, the shadow takes a lot of different forms. You know, sometimes uh, I find, you know, for example, the devil card in the tarot, that's a Mm. scary one. He represents our shadow. uh, And, uh, for my money, the devil card will usually show up in a reading right when someone's about to make a huge breakthrough. Mm. It's right before you're about to take that step and let's say start a podcast. That's when the devil's voice comes in your ear and says, oh, are you sure you want to do that? Yep. You know what? You might be a failure. You might not know what you're doing. Everybody might think you're really stupid and you could just really embarrass yourself. And so maybe you should just stay scared and, and stuck in hell with me, yeah. um, you know? The devil card shows these two figures who are chained to his throne, but the chains they wear are really loose around their neck. And that implies that they can slip out of those chains whenever they decide to, Mm. but they have to have the courage to face the fear, to face the shadow. So our shadow, it's our fear. It's our uh, limiting mind. But although everyone might have a devil on their shoulder, whispering all that rotten stuff, everybody's also got an angel on their shoulder that's telling you, keep going. Be brave. Look at where you've been. Look how far you've come. Spread your wings and leave hell whenever you want to. Yes. Whenever you want. So I think the shadow can be healing because it's a catalyst to make us leave something that's keeping us in a state of suffering. And oftentimes that thing that's keeping us in a state of suffering is also keeping us comfortable in some way. The devil's very seductive. It's a it's a symbol for like, well, I'm really comfortable, you know, drinking every night and not having to face my problems, yeah. even though I'm not really feeling good about it. Um, and I don't really want to change that because then what would I be without it? Or I'm not really comfortable uh, leaving this relationship that's rotten. 
and I'm getting beat down all the time. Uh, I'd rather know this person and I'm kind of obsessed with the drama and I want to see it happen one more time because I need to hurt more and it's making me feel something. Yeah. It's, it's the shadow. And so the shadow is our inner saboteur, but we can learn from it, but we have to confront it. And sometimes, you know, I feel that in order to make the shadow work for you, you have to be brave enough to face it and keep going anyway and start the podcast and leave the bad relationship and make the life change. That's going to help you. And we all struggle with it. Everybody's got a shadow. Everybody's got a struggle. Um, you know, we like to think it's just us. (laughs) I'm crazy. I'm the one who's, you know, the only one who's ever had to suffer this bad. No, No one gets a free pass. No, everybody gets something. And even people who have lives that on social media or the surface, it looks so glittering. It looks so perfect. You don't know the losses they're going to experience in their life. You don't know what they're going to be confronted with. Uh, you can't make those judgments and judge yourself against those false sets of standards. No. And I'm sure you do readings for many uh, prolific people and you know people who I'm sure have a veneer of success on the outside and you seeing yeah. people in very vulnerable. And I, I speak for myself, right? If you just looked at my social media, you would see someone or not my Instagram page for this podcast. Cause I'm very vulnerable, but <laughs> yeah. back when, back before I started the podcast, you know, I was very careful about the mask that I show the world and yeah, absolutely no one would know that I was struggling with suicidal mm-hmm. thoughts and all of these things. And so I love the idea of the devil card and how you describe how the chains are so loose, you know, that Mm -hmm. we always have the power to Mm -hmm. make a decision to, I mean, typically some people, some people are in situations that they can't control and I don't want to, you know, speak to that. Absolutely. Again, no, no broad brush painting. Everyone's experience is unique. Yeah. Uh, but, but for me, for that was me. Us. I was keeping yeah. myself absolutely chained. And something that I've really re- re- um, related to in magic, magic with the CK is that, you know, the concept of free will and how so many of us, it's like we, by accepting that kind of where we are now is a direct result of the choices that we've made. There's power in that because it means that we can start making different choices today and be in a completely different place. Yeah. We don't always have control over what's going to happen to us. We don't have control over what someone's going to do to us. And no matter how many cards you put out to try to predict the future, you'll never have every answer that'll say, this is going to happen with absolute assurity. uh, So you don't even have to do any of the work. Mm -hmm. You know, we're... Where we do have our power, though, is how will we respond to this moment? What are we going to choose to do? And are we going to treat ourselves with the loving kindness that we deserve uh, to make the choice that's actually going to be worthy of our best self? And that's how you that's how you uh, make a breakthrough. I love that. How did you start? You described that, you know, you went through so much adversity and growing up in a place like Wisconsin and growing up as a a young gay man. And I'm sure that you've gone through your own like self-love struggles for me. Like when when people tell me like, love yourself, I used to Mm. get so pissed off Elliot when people would say that because I'm like, okay, that's so fucking easy to say. What does that mean? Yeah. What does that mean anyway? What does yeah. self-love mean to you? And how have you gotten to a place 
do you love yourself now? And how have you gotten there? And what advice do you have for people who are sitting there and being like, I hate myself? Because well, here's a little me. secret I'll let everybody in on. You know, it's a daily, it's a daily process of work, isn't it? To accept yes. and love yourself. I haven't found this golden answer to love myself and never make a mistake. And now I'm this enlightened being. No, there's yeah. days I, uh, you know, judge myself horribly mm. or feel, um, feel like I'm, I'm still not fulfilling something mm. or feel that I'm, uh, you know, not the best person, not the best husband, not the best friend, not the, but be- not a good child or son to parents or mm. it's all crap. And so I think, um, what, what we try to do is, you know, it's encapsulated, encapsulated so beautifully in the card of strength in the tarot. It -hmm. shows this woman who's taming a lion with her bare hands and she's gently taming the lion. She's closing its jaws so it doesn't consume her. Mm -hmm. And the lion likes the restraint. He's actually licking her hand on the card (laughs) and she's smiling at it. The lion represents those things in our lives that are out of control, that if left unchecked can consume us utterly. Mm-hmm. The woman on the card is a symbol for our higher self. And when we can use our higher self to uh, tackle the situation with loving kindness to the lion, she's not killing the lion. She's not beating it up. She's not destroying it because the lion is a part of her. Mm. Um, she's channeling the energy, she's restraining it. And strength for me is something that people have to reinforce every day, much like going to the gym and you're strengthening a muscle. And so that inner restraint where we're just saying, I'm going to make the choice today to, to team the lion. Uh, but the lion's always going to be there. It's always going to be there, but we get to choose, um, Am I going to just throw my hands up in the air and let the lion eat me? And I'm just going to run from it all the time. Or am I going to hate the lion and beat it up and tell it how awful it is? And, you know, uh, destroy my own ego. You know, ego is a loaded word where it's like ego's bad. Nobody, you know, ego is what keeps you alive. (laughs) It also lets you say, Hey, I have a voice, Yes, you know, and ego is not always evil. Sometimes it needs to be channeled and restrained and tamed a bit so it doesn't get out of control. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the Greeks had a great concept that was called a uh, uh, maiden agon, which means nothing in excess, mm-hmm. nothing in excess. We need to take everything in its moderate uh, place. And, um, and that's everything. Uh, and, and that's including our ego. And so I just think, um, yeah, uh, to answer your question in a long winded way, again, uh, I am not enlightened. I definitely struggle with my own lions and demons and shadows and they're going to be there because of, um, you know, the life I had growing up and uh, the experiences I've had, but I've learned in time that it's better for me to trust my best self. Mm. And if you don't know what your higher self is, it's your best self. It's the limitlessness within you. It's the potentials and the things that you're, that you're really loved for. If you can't identify your best self, Think about what is it that people love most about me? Mm. What do they say they love? That's your best self or part of it. It's a little bit of a thing they can see, but it exists. You know, some people think I don't have a best self. I'm rotten. Nope, you do. Yeah. Yeah. It exists in every single person. And I just think that is the most beautiful description because it's exactly what I try to say on this podcast is like, there is no finish line for this stuff. Mm -hmm. It is... Mm -hmm 
every single day and just reminding yourself. And if there's anybody that says that they're done doing this, they're not, yeah. you know, like yeah. it's, it's a beautiful sentiment to our demons, quote unquote, our inner critic, our shadow, however mm-hmm. you say it. It's like, mm-hmm. that's why the goal is to befriend it because it's there for a reason, just like our higher self is there for a reason and accepting yourself as this multifaceted, beautiful person with light and dark. Like that's, Mm. that's the whole point of it all. And when you don't know what to do, just be love. Yes. Be love. What would love do in that situation? You know, that's that's what you want to do because it, it'll guide you out of, out of the trouble every time. And, um, and when people say love yourself, it's like a command. Yeah, that is kind of sickening. Yeah. I just say, um, allow love. That's allow beautiful. love for yourself. Be love. Be love for you because you deserve it. And look at how far everybody who's listening has come. And mm-hmm. you're still here because you still got a purpose and there's a meaning for you. And you might not know what that is yet, but who knows whose life you're going to touch. That's just gorgeous. And what a beautiful note to finish this on. And Elliot, I would love to give you an opportunity to tell the listeners where they can find you. I know that you have oh, already sure. a little bit. And also, what's next? Because I've read that you may be writing a new book. Oh, yes, I am. Um, so you can always find me at elliotoracle.com. Uh, or if you want to kind of sample my writing, you don't want to get the book necessarily right away, you can just Google my card, meaning so you can write in, you know, strength card, Elliot Oracle or Elliot. That was my life for an entire year. Yeah. And the book is called Fearless Tarot. It's uh, published by Llewellyn. And Llewellyn did uh, uh, have me uh, sign a contract to write my second book right now. I'm currently in the process of refining it. Uh, And it's all about relationships in tarot. Because I found that uh, people really struggle with love and relationships and this thought that, you know, uh, I just need to meet this soulmate and the card has to reflect that. And sometimes it's a little damaging because it's like, well, what does this card mean? Is that my soulmate or not? I did not. Yes. And so this is in a more healing vein. I'll tell you what the cards mean for a relationship reading. Like, well, when this card appears, this might mean this for this relationship. But I always bring it home to what is this card teaching you, though? Yes. You know, why do you feel you really need this person to fill mm-hmm. this place? And what, what might this card really be teaching you? So we're going to go another, uh, another layer beyond just the superficial, oh, that means he loves you. And that means he doesn't. And, you know, I, I'm not a tarot reader for, for the, for the surface. And you can always catch me over at Instagram too. Elliot Oracle's my handle. Yes. Um, I'm not really on Facebook as much lately, uh, but in Twitter, I'm, I'm kind of like, um, I ghost Twitter a lot, but I, I am so always on Instagram. I. There's yeah. only so like, we, I feel like for yes. me, I had to pick one and like, yes, that was me. I was like, okay, I'm going to do Instagram, but I just yep. do not have the the capacity to maintain all the other social presences and a website. I know I'm amazed you know. at the people who can do it. I wish I knew their secret, but I mean, I, I'd have to be hooked up to it all day long and I can't do that. It's not good for my sanity, no. but no. Um, but I want to thank you uh, so oh, much for you. not only the invitation, but also uh, the great honor of being with you on your show. And oh, I want to let you know how uh, profound you are and how wonderful it is to see somebody take their shadows and then say, how may I serve? Mm. How do I help you? 
Because a lot of times the answer for us, you know, when I say be loved, sometimes it's how do I serve you? Because that helps me as well, you know? And, and so I just think it's just beautiful. The energy you're putting out there, this is just so lovely. And I'm just so honored to, uh, to Thank be you. here today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, and everyone, I will be linking to all of uh, Elliot's profiles and resources too. And just Elliot, thank you. It's just seriously. And those words mean so much to me because as I said to you in the intro, you know, we had a little one-on-one and I just, your work has meant so much to me for my personal journey. And it's just been a, a thing fulfilled for me to speak to you in person. So thank you. Well, so it's much. been a joy and thank you so much. And thank you to your listeners for listening. And, and I wish you all a very happy new year as we go into 2022. Thank you. All right, you messy, amazing, emotional, fabulous human beings doing this life thing. That is it for today's episode. I want to thank you so much for listening because out of all the millions, billions of podcasts in the world, you chose to listen to mine. And that means a lot to me. And if you listen this far, I know you never want to miss a new episode. So to make sure that doesn't happen, click follow in your podcast player of choice and you will be alerted every time I drop a new one. To help me grow and help the podcast reach as many people as possible, go ahead and leave an honest rating and review. Not only that, I love to hear your feedback, so please share it with me. I read every single review, and you just might hear it read out loud on the podcast. To connect with me directly, follow me on social media, and keep up with all the new updates, you can find that all at backfromtheborderline.com. And as always, any articles, resources, or other helpful information you've heard today can be found in the description of this podcast episode, so don't forget to check out the show notes. And until we meet again, remember, life is a circle, a cycle, a process, separation, initiation, return. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Back from the Borderline. If you'd like to receive my monthly written recovery musings via Substack directly to your inbox, send me a voicemail, join the Patreon community, or check out my Amazon booklist recommendations, visit backfromtheborderline.com and click to access my link tree.